I didn't have a fit, Renarin said softly. Adeline shook out of his brooding. They rode side by side, though Adeline's mount was several hands taller. With Adeline astride a Rishadium, Renarin looked like a child on a pony by comparison, even in his plate. Clouds had rolled across the sun, giving some relief from the glare. Though the air had turned cold lately, and it looked like winter was here for a season. The empty plateaus stretched ahead, barren and broken. I just stood there, Renarin said. I wasn't frozen because of my ailment. I'm just a coward. You're no coward, Adeline said. I've seen you act as brave as any man. Remember the chasm fiend hunt? Renarin shrugged. You don't know how to fight, Renarin, Adeline said. It's a good thing you froze. You're too new to this to go into battle right now. I shouldn't be. You started training when you were six. That's different. You're different, you mean, Renarin said, eyes forward. He wasn't wearing his spectacles. Why was that? Didn't he need them? Trying to act like he doesn't. Adeline thought. Renarin so desperately wanted to be useful on a battlefield. He'd resisted all suggestions that he should become an ardent and pursue scholarship, as might have better suited him. You just need more training, Adeline said. Zale will whip you into shape. Just give it time, you'll see. I need to be ready, Renarin said. Something's coming. The way he said it gave Adeline a shiver. You're talking about the numbers on the walls? Renarin nodded. They'd found another scratch set of them after the recent high storm outside Father's room. Forty-nine days, a new storm comes. According to the guards, nobody had gone in or out. Different men from last time. Which made it unlikely it had been one of them. Storms. That had been scratched on the wall while Adeline had been sleeping just one room away. Who or what had done it? Need to be ready, Renarin said. For the coming storm, so little time. Heroes of presents Stormpod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book two, Words of Radiance. This is just a quick spoiler warning for chapters 26, 27, and 28. If you haven't gotten there in your reading, please go back and do so. We don't want you to miss out. If you have skipped an episode and you're just realizing that this is probably the wrong one for you, please go back and find the right one. And if you are exactly where you're supposed to be, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q. And, you know, we just got back from scaling a plateau together. It's uh, my best friend from the wine house. It's Jackamoff. What's up, dude? <laughs> you mean Yakamov. Yakamov. 
Yeah. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? I am well. I am doing well. Uh, how's your um, How's your voice doing? My voice is okay. Mine is not. We went okay. to the cottage last week. You, me, yes, Mike, and Jay, and we hung out, played games. We ran a phenomenal one shot. I can't wait to tell everybody about it. Um, but uh, we will. Will eventually. Um, <laughs> we. Had a great time, and uh, I smoked cigarettes again after having not smoked for five years, and my voice has been shot for like four days. So my apologies to the listener <laughs> if I sound gross or, you know, too deep. Um, we could be approaching Barry White editions uh, uh, again a here. A little scratchy. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, uh, it's a little scratchy. A little, a little dash of Tom Waits. I, I am. I've got two ounces of Tom Waits in me now. <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it was fun. But um, now my voice is hurting. If they if they weren't so delicious, that's the problem with cigarettes. They're uh, just so yummy. They're not really that yummy, though. They are so good. Um, okay, so yeah, chapter twenty six. We have three ca- chapters mm-hmm. to cover here. They're all pretty the small ones, so I think that we're going to be able to get, kind of go through these quickly here. But um, yeah, the feather chapter twenty six. Yeah, the listener song of wars fifty fifth stanza. They blame our people for the loss mm. of that land, the city that once covered it, did range the eastern strand, the power made known in the tomes of our clan. Our gods were not who shattered these plains. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I um, the first thing that pops out of me here is that um. The the obviously our gods were not uh, the uh, were not who shattered these yeah. planes, mm-hmm. but th- the funny thing is is that they're telling us this, or at least the very least, um, the listener who has created this song is saying this because it almost sounds like they were they've been accused of absolutely right. Like it's like this they is blame a clarification our for the loss. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's 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 Urethiru, isn't it? Um, I don't know. It doesn't say the city that once covered it. The city that once covered the sh- shattered plains, and according to Yasna and Shalon right now, or mainly Yasna, this is where Shalon gets it. She doesn't yeah. think that Urethiru exists on the shattered plains, but that the path to Urethiru oh, could to be found right. somewhere in the shattered. Th- th- there's answers right. at the shattered plains to find Urethiru. Okay. Right. It's a it, stepping stone. It could very well be there, but. Um, she isn't sure about any of that. She just knows that the right. Shattered Plains is the best place to start looking. Well, this beginning here is quite is quite action packed. It's uh, Adeline crashing into the Parshendi lines. Um, I so a, a few paragraphs in. So he's he's joined this this uh, this um, uh, chrysalis run, if you will, and mm-hmm. it's not even. It's not even their turn in yeah. rotation. Yeah, the colons so have nothing to do with this. Right. So he's he, so he's joined up with Yakimov. Yeah. Who is uh, I believe a high lord. Yeah, under Royal. He's from Royal. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's yeah. so he's under Royal and he um Adlin is here and it says here that he said not those bridgemen for once, but real <laughs> soldiers. That's right. who he'd brought. Yeah. He'd left the bridgemen back on the assault plateau. He didn't want men around him who didn't want to fight Pershendi. I think that's the big problem he has with it, right? <clears throat> yeah. 
The bridge yeah, four well, and all the bridgemen have said they're not going to fight Parshendi because they were, you know, just because of some kind of stance they have from the stuff that happened in the first book, which makes uh, makes a lot of sense. I totally agree with it. Um, but that doesn't help a dude who's going out there to cause war against them. You know what I mean? Right, right. It just sort of struck me again that it's another wedge. It's another divide between Adeline and Caliban. Yeah, it's true. You know, so... Um, so these soldiers that he's fighting with, they have green uniforms with gold accents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the shard bearer has matching colors. So this would be Yakimov. Mm-hmm. And he has a large shard bearer's hammer, which I thought was so great. Yeah. I thought that was such <laughs> an awesome image to show this massive hammer that he's got with him. Um, Dalinar uses one in the first book when he breaks up all those mm-hmm. rocks to help with the right. construction or whatever. So you, he uses this gigantic hammer. I love it. It's so great. Yeah. Yakimov, he says, are, are you all right? All right. I'm wonderful. He's laughing. He's, he's got, and, and I like also how he has pale green eyes to match his tunic, to match his uniform. <laughs> yeah. He's like color coordinating um, himself. Yeah. He's got, he's got pale, pale, pale green eyes. Yeah. He's a light with the thrill. Mm-hmm. And he's laughing and Adeline's like, you were almost surrounded. <laughs> and Ad, it says here, Adeline respected the Parshendi for coming to confront the shard bearers rather than fleeing. It meant certain death, right. almost certainly. But if they did win against them, it would turn the tide of the battle. So right. he... He's, he's admiring that quality in them for right. confronting them in the first place. Because it's like, it's a kamikaze style run. You gotta go against really the shard is. bearer, yeah. Aim small, miss small, right? Mm-hmm. So Yakimev is laughing, and it, it said here that it's in, it's infectious, and the laughter was infectious. Mm-hmm. And it's and just before that, it says Yakimev laughed, sounding as pleased now as when enjoying a winehouse singer. It's the same kind of enjoyment, slaughtering Parshendi and I know, hanging out at the winehouses. That, there's no difference. I found that to be so disturbing that the yeah. laughter, the laughter of enjoying a concert which I happen to enjoy quite, quite a lot of, um, he's equating that with the slaughter in war. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I it's can't pretty heavy, quite get eh? there, but yeah. I think it's to show the difference between these two light eyed gentlemen, right? Well, but Adeline's admitting that the laughter was infectious and he's familiar with mm-hmm. the thrill and that he doesn't want others around him that don't want to fight the Parshendi. Like the key word there is want. Yeah. I want to fight. Well, he's trying to to end the war, right? Like he's, but he's not relishing in it as he would if he's having fun and kicking back with his buddies. It's not the same kind of enjoyment. Like he, I think he says later, or he thinks he's like, you know, he, he would rather fight in a duel. It's things aren't as enjoyable for him as a duel, but he does find joy in the fight. Yeah, he finds joy, maybe maybe not as much as this Yakimev guy. This yeah, guy exactly. seems to be a bit of a... So the plateau that they're in was shaped very strangely. It had mm-hmm. been a tall hill, but half of it had ended up on the adjacent plateau. And he sort of says here in the text, Adeline's wondering that he couldn't imagine what kind of force could have split the hill down the center. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we'll get an answer to that later on down the road, but that seems interesting. And I really like the description of this entire battle. Yeah, it's so this great. entire landscape, like a cake with three tiers that had been cut with a large knife right down the center. Yeah, it's just, I see this gigantic sword come over and cut this mountain <laughs> down. You know what I mean? This like yeah. Titan or like a, you know what I mean? Like a God's yeah. blade. Yeah. It's crazy. 
and they're battling on this on this broken wedding cake right mm-hmm. now. So that's that's really cool. They're on the second tier. Uh, Adeline, it says, yeah, this is where it says at the bottom of 381 from the paperback. He wasn't required to be here on this run, and yet here he is. But it was time. It was time to implement another part, another aspect of Dal- of Dalinar's plan, and that was to show that Adeline or that Dalinar or House Colon could give shardbearers to other high princes and give them a hand in battle. Yeah. Hoping to maybe, you know, bring them closer together. Yeah, this is like part two of the plan, right? Like, you know, everyone has to work together. You don't want to work together. We're going to force you to work together by coming, showing up, helping you win. And then, you know what I mean? Like we're, and then we're gone. But the thing is, is that this doesn't really work well for them so much. I, I, I feel because... The not people in that this you're helping, chapter, no. you know, the people that you're helping, is not getting the spoils right. Even if they win the gem hearts, those gem hearts are going right. back to the king, and the, the king doles them out to everybody. So it's not really right. You know, like big deal if you help me win. I'm not actually getting that gem heart regardless. So right, it's all going back up to the top anyway. Yeah, and then it's trickling down. Right, this is trickle down I get- gemonomics. I think is what they call it. <laughs> trickle down gemonomics. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Because that works very well, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> Unless you have a benevolent dictator, in which case it actually works. It's the only time. But yeah, it's the only time, except there are no such thing as benevolent dictators. Um, I think Aragorn at the end of uh, Return of the King would have been a benevolent yeah, dictator. He's the only yeah. one. The only yeah. one. He's the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he lived most exactly. of his life out in the wilderness, and he yeah. saw how shitty people were to each other. So he's like, now that I'm king, now that I've returned as the king, I can I'm, do this. I, yeah. Everyone's I can actually gonna be, happy. be benevolent. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. So that's it. Aragorn's the first and one and only, the only benevolent one. Yeah. dictator. Yeah. There's only been one. Um. So the Parshendi have got the top tier completely. That's where the chrysalis had appeared. So they've got it. And it's a difficult fight. And so it really comes down to how is Adelin going to pull this off? And he's got a crazy idea. Yeah. And he says, Yakimev, and he point, he's motioning upward. Upwards to like the two of them being on the second tier to like either yeah. climb or get on top. I do like this moment because he doesn't have to explain it. And, he, and Yakimev looks up and he's like, yeah, he looks, he just says, Yakimov, and then he motions up. Yeah. And Yakimov, and Yakimov says, that's crazy. Sure is. <laughs> and then he says, let's be at it then. Yeah. He hands the hammer to Adeline, who puts it in the sheath on his back, and the two of them run to the walk wall, rock wall and start to climb. Yeah. And they're like pounding their fists into the rock to get a hold. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And then the the move of this that I love the most it, was, it says here, it's, it was still crazy. They'd end up being surrounded up there. It was the sort of risky move that Adeline would never dare do when his, when his father was around on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And Yakim was like, you've got a plan for getting a foothold up there, right? Just be ready to support me. Um, I love the, says, sorry, I love that sure. part with, uh, with I'd never do this if my father was here stuff, because yeah. that's really awesome. I like, never do this. It's, yeah. it's almost like before he starts climbing, he like looks behind him. And he's like, "Yeah, you're right. That's right. Dad's not here. So I better, <laughs> I better, I better yeah. get up here quick before he shows up and sees me doing it." <laughs> yeah, I can take a risk with it without Daddy looking. I can do this. Yeah. Thing, the, I can do the things that I like to do on the battlefield. Right, right. So he takes out the shard. Uh, he takes out his shard. His um, his shard blade, and he plunges it into the stone. Yeah. But I think there's maybe a bit of a, yeah, there's a bit of a conversation. There's a little back and forth here. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he says, just be ready to support me. He says, sure. What are you doing up here, by the way? Yeah. I figured no army would turn away some shard bearers who wanted to help. Shard bearers, plural? Well, Renarin is down below. Right. Hopefully not fighting. He's surrounded by a large squad of soldiers with careful instructions not to let him get into the fighting. Father wanted him to see a few of these um, fights, though, or battles. I know what Dalinar's doing. He's trying to show a spirit of cooperation, trying to get the high princes to stop being rivals. Yeah. So he sends in his shard bearers to help, even when the run isn't his. Are you complaining? Yeah. So the, uh, this is the plan here. Um, Dalinar is, like we said, trying to show how good it is to cooperate. And Yakimov's like, I'm willing to take the help. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He says, nope. He says, I'm, I'm, uh, let's see if you can get an opening up there. I'll, uh, I'll need a moment to get the hammer out. Yeah. So, so Renarin is here. That's like the other. Yeah. Yeah. Renarin's there. He, um. Yeah, I, I already read that earlier. Um, that Renarin was there. He's down below. He's surrounded by a large squad of soldiers. So yeah, so he's basically been brought here to see a few of the battles because right. his father would like him to see it. Exactly. But he's also been kind of instructed by the soldiers around him to not let him into the fight. Which is kind of smart on both ends. Like let him experience it, but don't let him fight yet. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll take care of the rest of that later because Renarin feels the need to... Uh, get involved. He's, he's just then, not, he's not ready. Yeah. He's not ready for battle right now. Yeah, for sure. So it says here, Yakimev was a landlord and shard bearer under High Prince Royal. Yeah, so that's, that's what you said at the beginning there. That's kind of interesting. Mm. Well, uh, not that he was a landlord. That's the first time it says it, that he was a landlord. Mm. So um, it was important that light eyes like Yakimev saw Dalinar and Adeline actively working toward a better Alethkar. So again, backing up what they're really trying to do here is they're trying to change the whole approach. Yeah. To, to what it means to be a high prince and really what it means to be a light eyes. Right. I'm trying to change the whole culture of these yeah. war camps. Well, it's, and, and says the, I think the next line sums it up. Perhaps a few episodes like this would show the value of a trustworthy alliance. Right. Instead of the backstabbing temporary coalition Sadius represented. Right. And that's it right there. Is yeah. it's. It's Sadius versus Dalinar's vision for what it means to be a high prince and what it means to be a light eyes. Mm-hmm. So the Prashendi were clustered here. They've got their hammers and mazes at the right. I like this so much that what do you need to go up against a shard bearer? Not sword on sword. No. You, you need bludgeoning club weaponry. Yeah, like because of the gemstones. bludgeoning attacks. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to bring this up in the, the info dump again later, but yeah, that's one of my favorite parts is that like, you know, sh- shard, shard plate is like immune to piercing and slashing, right? But basically, yeah. Basically or immune, death, yeah. but it, it is susceptible but if you hit them in the right spots to bludgeoning. Yeah, I love it. It's really right. great. D&D. Dynamite. It's at a sight. So yeah, the um, the Parshendi are clustered at the top of this cliff here, and they see him coming. Like they can tell he's coming, so they're getting ready yeah. for it. I just love this maneuver that Adeline does. Me oh too, my God, man. To I love it. There. Oh man, it's so it's great. Like, it's like the use of the lightsaber that we all got that we wanted so badly as fans in the mm-hmm. Phantom Menace when Qui Gon plunges the lightsaber into the closing metal doors mm-hmm. when he's trying to get into the. Uh, I guess it's the uh, the uh, command room of the what are the the Trade Federation, mm-hmm. um, and it was just such a great moment because we ha- we hadn't seen the lightsaber do that yet, and like well, likewise with this, 
you're plunging the blade into the rock and then using the flat side of the sword to then, you know, bring yourself up from, yeah, and then get to the top. (laughs) He's making like a little trampoline or something. He's using, it's a a step to spring off of. And because he's in the plate, he springs up high Mm -hmm. and then just, you know, summons the blade. Like, oh my God. And it says here, shard blades couldn't break. So he, right. he knows for sure that this isn't going to harm his sword. Him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so yeah, great. It's amazing. And then when he lands up, up, uh, up top, he breaks into the Parshendi line and they broke off their singing as he smashed into them with the force of a boulder. Yeah. I think the, the thing, the description is so he, cool. he like throws himself up and then as he's passing the cliff, uh, the cliff, he the grabs, tier, yeah. he grabs yeah. a rock that's there, like that's embedded in the yeah. wall and it flings him around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's like going straight up. He grabs something and he's doing like, <laughs> he's doing like the Batmobile does when it wraps one of those cables <laughs> al- along a light yeah. pole. And then it goes a, a quick turn around. <laughs> you know how the old Batman Batmobile used to do that? Yeah, I love, take a I love turn? that. I absolutely love that it describes him like a force of a boulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's know, awesome. Like he threw himself into this fight like a bowling ball. You can almost Boom. see him do a tuck and roll and like actually be a boulder. The soldier's carapace armor cracked with sickening sounds and the mm-hmm. punches flung them backwards, knocking some of them off the cliff. I love this so much. Yeah, he's Alan fighting. He's fighting like hits. primarily right now, without his blade because his blade's still stuck in the mountain. Right, he's starting yeah. the call, but he's still got to yeah. fight hand to hand. And I, that makes me think of like the gutbusters from like the um, Forgotten Realms, like the dwarves who have the spiky armor, and they literally go in no weapons. They just jump in and then hit yeah. people with their armor. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Thanks for tossing a platoon's worth of Parshendi down in my head, Yakimev calls. <laughs> that was a wonderful surprise. Adeline points and shouts, Chrysalis! The top tier wasn't populated very well. Yeah. He and Yakimev had a direct path to the Chrysalis, a hulking, a blong boulder of brown and faint green. Adeline leaped over the twitching form of a Parshendi with dead legs and charged the Chrysalis, Yakimev following... But the chrysalis was already open. Yeah. And dun, dun, dun. Says, no. He's peering into the slushy violet interior, looking at the chunks of carapace floating within the goop. Mm-hmm. And it's not there. And Adeline starts scanning around the plateau. How did they get it so quickly? He says. Yeah. And we know how he did. Oh, yeah. Or Nearby, we know how they did. Is pers- we know how they did. Mm-hmm. Nearby, you can do everything very quickly with a shard blade. That's right. Not only a trampoline maneuver, but you can yeah. get gem hearts out really quick. Yep, much quicker than any other way, and than any than any other way. So, what do you think Standing about this scene them, here? What do you think about this um, Adeline and uh, Eshenai on the battlefield together? What do you think about this? Well, it's coming up. It's coming up right now. So he's he's yeah. looking around. He sees the Parshendi, and then he's like. So standing behind them was a tall figure in silvery shard plate, mm-hmm. a red cloak billowing out behind, which I love that description because it just brings me to the cover. Yeah. The armor had peaked points, ridges rising like the points on a crab's shell, seven feet tall. And Adeline says, it's him. This was the one my father fought on the tower. Mm-hmm. The shard bearer turned toward Adeline, gripping a large, uncut gemstone in his hand. It was dripping with ichor and plasma. Fight me, Adeline says. 
The shard bearer handed his gem heart to one of these charging men of the Parsheni that were coming toward them, and then turned and watched them jump. They soared across the gap to land on top of the other half of the hill. Yeah, the so there's there's a bunch the of uh, Parshendi here that are retreating, right? Like, they're getting right. the fuck out of here. We got the gem heart, let's and get the fuck out. And he gives them the gem heart. And I love how Adeline is so amazed that these Parshendis uh, can leap chasms. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a little point I want to bring up here, uh, particularly in this paragraph. He says, he felt a fool as he realized that these heights were not a trap for them as they would be for humans. Mm-hmm. To them, a mountain split in half was just another chasm to leap. Right. So again, on our perspectives uh, theme, mm-hmm. you can look at the, the chasm between these um, these plateaus as being a trap for humans, as being a difficulty. I got to lay a bridge down. Right. I've got to do this. But these Parshendi, they just look at it as, you know, it's it's a mere a quick convenience. Jump. Yeah, it's a quick jump. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that like it gives them that advantage on this particular battlefield. Well, and it gets that gem heart out of uh, uh, out of your enemy's reach rather mm-hmm. quickly, right? And the and the shard bearer wasted no time. He he didn't even consider, or she didn't really even consider Adeline's uh, you know goading uh, attempt mm-hmm. to bring her into battle. She gave the gem heart away to one of the others, and. Right. It was, it was taken away. And they can leap too. That's the, that's the thing that must be irksome to Adeline is that, you know, they've got two shard bearers and these are two of 30 at the war camps and these are special warriors. These guys Mm. can jump chasms as well, but all of their enemies can, like all the war forms on the other side can do this, this jump. So it's like they literally right. have a guy jump, 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 come in, cut the gem heart out. She can cut it quickly with her shard blade. She passes it off to someone and it's gone. You're never getting that gem heart back. They can play like football or rugby. They just keep passing it and yep. the next person jumps and jumps and it's gone. It's a quick escape, right? It is. It is. It's a great escape. Yeah. Ooh, I'm surprised. It's a that, great escape. I'm, su- I'm surprised that, that, the, uh, that the light eyes haven't learned a way other than bridges to navigate them, you know, with more speed or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Develop some kind of other technology to like get them to move them around quicker. But anyway, um, the shard bear remained. So this is cool. So I thought we were going to get a standoff. So when I was reading this for the first time, I thought that we might get a battle here. We, we get one round. We, we get a confrontation. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah, we do. We get one round so, of, it to, of combat and then they talk. Yeah. Adeline ignores the fleeing Parshendi and runs up to the shard bear, swinging his blade full force. The Parshendi raised his own blade, slapping aside Adeline's blow. Mm-hmm. You are the son, Adeline Colin, the Parshendi said. Your father. Where is? Adeline froze in place. The words were in a lethe. So this is blowing his mind right now. Yeah. It's it's just all kinds of revelations, right? Because then he finds out, like, just keep reading, keep reading. Yeah, the faceplate slams up. Yeah. And this shard bear did not have a beard. There was no beard on that face. Didn't that mean that this was a woman? Mm-hmm. Telling the difference between the Parshendi was difficult for Adeline. The vocal timber was rough and low-pitched. I must need speak to Delinor, the woman said. I met him one time. Much long ago. So she's not talking about the right. fight they had on the plateau. Right. She's talking know, about right? a long time ago when they were first meeting the Parshendi. 
Right. Right. Which was how long ago? A long time ago. It was uh, um, like six years ago. Uh, I think it's more than that. It was like it's five years, years since, ago. Six years since Gavilar's death. They've been so fighting for six that. years. Yeah, that's true. So maybe and six and a half Gavilar years? And then Gavilar first... Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the time frame is before... Gavilar's death this is and the a, first time that they were that they met the Parshendi. This is a question for um like the online forums and stuff and the Right. It's all there. I don't I try to stay away from it too because it? I like okay. I enjoy kind of us discovering the book as we go, even though I've right. read them before. I'm not right. online doing hardcore research about what all the fan theories are because that kind of takes away from what we're doing for you and me, right? Right. Like, well, and I, I can't dive deep because I, I right. run the risk. But I also don't so. want to, like, I don't want to co- go into reading these books with everyone's opinions in my head, right? About what they think is happening. Right. I want to, I have yeah, read the yeah, books before. Course. And so I want to, like, mm-hmm. we kind of talked about this with um, Buzzkill Joe the other day, where he was mm. telling us that, uh, like, an obscure theory. He was telling me about an obscure theory. And I was like, you know what? I've heard that, but I haven't really done any research on it because I'm trying to. Just go at this with my own rereads kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like right. f- for you and me or whatever. See what we can find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I must need speak to Dalinar, the woman said. Mm-hmm. I met him one time much long ago. You refused our every messenger, Adeline says. Now you wish to speak with us? That was long ago. Time does change. Yeah. Something inside of Adeline urged him to go in swinging, to batter this shard bear down and get some answers with some shards to fight. He was there to fight. Mm -hmm. But his father's voice was in the back of his mind, holding him at bay. Dalinar would want this chance. It could change the course of the entire war. He will want to contact you, Adeline says. Shoving down the thrill. The thrill of battle, yeah. Yeah, the ever-present thrill. We'll send messenger, the shardbearer said. Do not kill one who comes. She raises her shard blade, her shard blade toward him in salute, and then lets it drop and dematerializes. It's really she turns cr- to charge toward the chasm and hurls herself across in a prodig- prodigious leap. It's really cool that they get to meet. Such a cool moment. But it's also a little it disappointing so cool. that they don't get to fight. Like I, 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 I know. Well, I'll be I was, honest. I well, wish they would have fought more. But he, she, I keep saying he, she batted his full swing. Like he, he, he went in there, I think yeah. with a, with a two handed swing. Yeah. Full my, swing. And she <laughs> batted it out, like just knocked it out. So my, I, I, I know just, that we kind of talk a lot know. about D and D on the show, but my D and D brain is this. They rolled initiative. She won. She held her attack to do a held parry. Her action. Held, she held her action to do a parry. Went on full defense. He came in, yeah. attacked, and then she just went and used hers to give herself, yeah. you know, defense. Uh, she took a defensive action or whatever. Yeah, she raised her AC or something like yeah. that, and he, he could. And then he, normally he would have been able to hit it, but yeah, not but when she was this so time, prepared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she really wanted to um, talk. Dude, this is so good. But we got a, a scene change here. We do get a scene change. Um, a rare mood was now hovering over Royon and Ruthar's armies on this day. Right. Usually, when the Alethi lost a plateau run, it was because the Parshendi pulled back. In a wild scramble, retreating across the bridges. It wasn't often that a run ended with the Alethi controlling the plateau, but with no gem heart to show for it. And when I first read that, I thought, well, here we go. This is going to look bad for Adeline and for Dalinar. Yeah. 
because it's going to be once again another little incident for everyone else to talk about and say, well, you know, you joined on this run and it turned out to be a disaster. So what, what the hell good is this? Right. Right. And I think even somebody alludes to that later on in this end of this chapter. Um, um, Adeline's actually looking for Renarin. So he says, now where's Renarin got to? Yeah. And then he sees him on a staging plateau and he goes over to him and says, Hey, you ready to head back? And Renarin is nodding, but not speaking. Right. And Adeline's like, what happened? And then a bridgeman, uh, a bridgeman guard looks at Adeline and says, he nods to the side. Can I speak with you over mm-hmm. here? And then he says, a group, a group of, uh, a group of shellheads tried to seize one of the bridges, Bright Lord. Bright Lord Renarin insisted on going to help, sir. Uh, we, we tried to dissuade him, but then he got near and summoned his blade, and he just kind of stood there. We got him away, sir, but he's been sitting on that rock ever since. Yeah. And then Adeline and thinks then, right away it's, you know, one of his right, fits. Right. Right. We, you know, a little later... Renarn says to him, like, it's not one of my fits. We'll get there after, it's but not, but yeah, yeah, that's, I like, I like that, that I like that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Thank you, soldier. Adeline says, it's all right, Renarn. It happens, but he just shrugged it off. He's not speaking. Yeah. There was nothing to do, but let him stew. The younger, the younger brother would talk about it when he was ready. Adeline organized his 200 troops paid respect to the high princes, but neither of the high princes seemed very grateful. In fact, Ruthar yeah. seemed convinced that Adeline and Yakimev's stunt, which I love that stunt, by the way, getting yeah. to the top. That it's, was great. Yeah, he, he thinks it cost them, right? their stunt yeah. Had, yeah, had driven the Prashendi off with the gem heart. Yeah. And then he's thinking, yeah, but as if they wouldn't have withdrawn them from the moment they had it, idiot. I love that in that right. chapter, that, that paragraph. It's just inside of Adeline's head. I just love it. Yeah. He's like, hopefully um, father is right in doing this and that it works because all Adeline wants yeah. to do is to get them in the ring and teach them some respect. The dueling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get them in the dueling. Ring. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. that sentence where it's like, that shows what he really wants out of this. You yeah. Know? He's, he's being forced to cooperate with them as well. And all he wants to do is just fight them, <laughs> which I love. Mm-hmm. I just love it. Yakimev uh, motions for one of his stewards to get Adeline a cup of sparkling yellow wine. Ooh, the yellow. And takes it, takes it to uh, Adeline, who's now has an unarmored hand. He took off his gauntlet. But he doesn't drink it initially. That was quite uh, nearly awesome, Yakimev says. <laughs> I like that nearly awesome. Yeah, quite nearly <laughs> awesome. And then in Adeline's mind, if you read the ne- first line of the next paragraph, he says, almost looks man-made. Oh, he's t- still looking at the sh- at the um the hi- the hill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With those three tiers, mm-hmm. almost looks man-made. Adeline thought, yeah. idly, considering the shape. Nearly, Adeline agrees. Can you imagine what an assault would look like if we had twenty or thirty shard bearers on the battlefield at once? What chance would the Pershendi have? Truthfully, you're truthfully though. Yeah, yeah. If all the Your shard father... bearers from all the different camps. All got together with in one fighting force and went down there. Every skirmish, they would just slaughter them. Slaughter them if they would organize. But they but can't. Again, but they can't because like it's a big so game, many... and they can't. They, they can't share, and they can't play together. You know. <laughs> there you go. They can't play nice. The process is the goal. Right. Uh, it's it's the weirdest thing. The, I hate it, but it tends to be true. Yeah. Um, this this summed it up for me. When Yakimev responds to 
Adeline's question, what chance would the Pershendi have if we got 30 of us together? Yeah. Yakimov says, your father and the king are seriously committed to this course, aren't they? You know, that for me, that, it just shows where everyone's still truly at. Mm -hmm. Nobody thinks it can work. They're not on board. Yeah, they're not. But you know what though? I, says, I do like this because he's not, even Yakimov is not really down with it, but Yakimov is sort of friends, even though he won't hang out with them later. Cause Adeline's like, you want to well, hang out? The, and that's the, that's my other piece of yeah. evidence. That's the other slam dunk is he said, but Adeline says, as am I, like I'm committed to this too. Mm -hmm. And then, and then he says, well, I can see what you and your father are doing, Adeline, but if you keep dueling, you're going to lose your shards. I mean, even you can't always win. Eventually you'll hit an off day and then it will all be gone. Right. I might lose at some point, Adeline says. Of course, by then I'll have won half the shards in the kingdom, so I won't be able, I should be able to arrange a replacement. You are a cocky bastard, I'll give you that. Yeah, I like so, that little exchange. Uh, me too, and I and I like this whole part <laughs> where, um, you know, um, Adeline's like, I'm not really worried about losing my shards, I'm just, no one wants to fight me. And Yakimov's right. like, you know, it, it makes sense because Sadius is kind of like, or he, he says... He says, there have been certain inducements going around, promises uh, made right. to shard bears if they refuse you. And then Adeline thinks it's, uh, uh, considers that it's m possibly Sadius. But then Yakimov's like, try this guy, try Aranev. He's, you know, better than the standings been given boasting, credit for. Yeah. And he's been boasting and he might just say yes to you, which Yakimov doesn't have to but do this for, 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 for Adeline, but he does because they're friends, even though he doesn't agree with his tactics and he also doesn't want to hang out with them later. <laughs> <laughs> we we shouldn't we shouldn't uh we should linger on that little bit just before mm -hmm. that there have been certain inducements going around promises that are being made to shard bears if they refuse to fight you in a duel this is all sadius is doing mm -hmm. so sadius is already sort of on to what adeline wants or what dylanar is trying to accomplish yeah well they may not be entirely um, on the same page. I mean, like, I suppose Adeline can earn the respect from the duels and maybe that's what Sadius sees and then is trying to deny him that. So that's, that's, that's a fair point. Mm -hmm. But Yakimev does throw him a bone and yeah. says, well, you can try this, this Aranev guy. Yeah. Um, he says, thanks, Jack. I, I, I owe you. And then he says, what's then this they I hear about you being yeah, betrothed? Yeah, two, two friends talking about Shalon right here. Yeah. It's just, it's just a causal, and it might not even get to that. Woman's ship seems to have been severely delayed. Aunt Navani was getting worried that Yasna should have sent word. Yeah. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> I, like, I like this here I never... where, where Adeline's like, he, you know, wants to say no just outright because he doesn't like being manipulated by his, by his cousin Yasna, right? He's like, I yeah. just don't want to, part of me just doesn't want to even want to say yes to all this just because I hate being manipulated. But he's like, but I haven't I... had a good track record. And then he explains what happened with Danlin, dude. We finally with get an Danlin. explanation. He's like, what happened with Danlin wasn't his fault. He's like, it wasn't his fault that he's a friendly man. Why did women have to be he's so a... jealous? Yeah, so, so she must have caught him like talking to someone else or flirting with someone else, and then she's like, "I'm out of here." A little bit earlier, he says, uh, "Um, Yakimev says I never thought you were the type to let yourself be nailed into an arrangement, right? Uh, in, into an arranged marriage, Adeline. There are lots of winds to ride out there, you know, right?" 
I like that little drop of winds yeah, uh, dropped nice. in there. That was really cool. Like I said, it's far from official, he says. Yeah, and then about the, uh, you mentioned about the Yasna's manipulation. Yeah, and then the Danlin explanation is great. I can't tell you the details, Adeline says. Maybe at the wine house later tonight. Bring in Kima. You can tell me how stupid I'm being. Give me some perspective. This is the, yeah, this is the part we were just talking about where he, he, inv- he wants to hang out with his friends and his friends are like, sorry, yeah. buddy. <laughs> Bring someone else. Bring in Kima. That sounds like another gal's name. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think that's Yakimov's girl from, oh, from the it? first book. Yeah. He's like, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, he's, <laughs> what, is it, what does Yakimov say? Um, He's like, being being seen with you isn't good for one's reputation these days. Your father and the king aren't particularly popular. And that's the thing. Like, there it is again. You know, it's, they don't agree with their plan. Being seen with you isn't good. Right. And then Adeline's like, it will all blow over. I'm sure it will. So let's wait until then, shall we? <laughs> oh, God. Can you believe Dagger that he had the, the balls to say that? Yeah. That is the worst and then Adeline said, I love the next line, Adeline blinked, the words hitting him harder than any blow on the battlefield. Sure, Adeline forced himself to say. Yeah. Good man, oh, Yakimov says. And, Adeline, I feel and so bad for him. he actually smiles. Well, it's, it, it's brutal to, like, to agree to those terms. Like, yeah. okay, so we're going to wait till this blows over for you to be seen with me? You know, I would have been like, fuck you, man. Like, yeah, well, we're either, I mean... We're either friends or we, like, you know, he, he doesn't have to add, break. he doesn't have to add fuel to the fire. Like the, this guy's barely just being yeah. friendly with him as to begin with, I know. right? Like, I know I wouldn't have been able to keep my cool as much as Adeline did mm-hmm. in that moment. Cause that's just, that's just brutal. I can't be seen with you. Yeah. Like, come on. So then anyway, he, um, sure, bud, I, his Rishadium yeah. is standing, is standing by. So he goes up to him and he says, I'm sorry, I haven't been paying as much attention to you lately, have I? Yeah. Oh. He gives him a, the right shade him, gives him a headbutt and he gives him a scratch. And I like this. He's, um, yeah. the horse prances. He's like, and he often yeah. did that when Adeline was feeling annoyed. He's trying to improve yeah. his master's improve mood. Improve his master's mood. He's like mood, prancing yeah. around like a, a beautiful uh, little Rishadium. <laughs> it's so yeah. cool. It's so cute. His four guards had followed him. They'd obligingly brought their old bridge from Sadius's army to get Adeline's team where they need to go. Yeah. So, so the bridgemen actually bridge run the for bridge? this. Yeah, it's the same bridge, I think. That's crazy. What's well, saying um they brought their old bridge. Now this their old team bridge from Sadius's this army. This team yeah. here might not be bridge 4. This could be no, a different team. It shouldn't be. Could be t- t- a bridge 13 or whatever, right? Bridge 4 uh, yeah. bridge 30 or whatever. Storming Yakimov. This has been coming, Adeline admitted to himself. The more you defend father, the more they'll pull away. They were like children. Father really was right. Yeah. Did Adeline have any true friends? Aww. Anyone who would be actually, st- who would actually stand by him when things were difficult? He knew practically everyone of note in the war camps. Everyone knew him. How many of them actually cared? Dude, this guy needs a friend. Yeah. I feel bad. I know, right? Was every it's it I mean, imagine that you you're you know you're popular, you're competent, you're a you, prince. You've got this you you're know? a prince, you're you're a great duelist, you've got all this renown, and most people are embarrassed <laughs> to be seen with you. You know, you know what make, this makes me think of? Whoa. This makes me think of when like famous rich people are like, you know, life's hard. And you're like, What? Yeah. yeah. Like 
I know I'm beautiful and rich and famous and I have everything that I could ask for, but it's really hard living it's life. It's really hard. Yeah. Choosing, choosing what oh. kind of green salad food I want from Whole Foods is just really tough. It's really tough in life. And so Adeline's like, I know I'm a yeah. high prince. I know I'm supremely good looking and the best duelist in the world, but I just don't have any friends. Like, does anybody really no care one... about me? Yeah. <laughs> Help me. No one will play with me. Aww. You know who's always going to care about him? Our boy Renarin here. Yeah, Renarin. We did yeah. this in the dramatic read. Yeah, this, this is, part, this yeah, well, is let's great. Just, let's just talk about it anyways. Um, what do you think about this whole thing about him him, him not having a fit? That it's not part of his ailment? It, it's it's his nature. Mm-hmm. This is Renarin on full display. Mm-hmm. This is Renarin the, um, the pacifist. Renarin the, I'm disinterested in, in this war. Maybe just this war in particular. Or all war? I don't want to say all war. I think this war has a distaste for him. Okay. Um, because Renarin, don't forget, and as his brother is quick to remind him, he was quick to act in the threat of his father with the... The Chasmphine. With the Chasmphine. The very beginning exactly. of the series, So yeah. he, he put himself in danger. I mean, I think even way back in the pod, one of us may have even referred to Renarin being like, you know, Captain America, mm-hmm. like being willing, being willing to go down, even though you may be one of the weaker warriors or weaker ones there, you're mm-hmm. willing to go down because it's the right thing to do. And if, if my father's yeah. going to be, you know, threatened by a, by a chasm fiend, if I can do anything about it, I am going to get in the way. Right. He and wasn't, that, he wasn't a coward that day. That's what Adeline's telling no, him, right? No. And that's it. So his inaction here, I think it's something vehemently that he sees wrong about this. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what stays his hand, not cowardice. But Renarin could be troubled with this, you know, he could be battling this in his own mind. Right. And, and not be exactly clear why he didn't act. Right. But yeah, it's, that's it's, what I would say. It's tough, man. It's tough. Like, I mean, I I don't know if I could do that kind of stuff and go out and fight and be, be that kind <sighs> of person. I'm pretty sure I would freeze. You know what I mean? No. I, yeah, me too. I, I can't even pick up a dead mouse, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You told us all I about it at the even, cottage. Yeah, I can't even. I'm having a problem dealing with. And, it, you know. Yeah, You're afraid of the dead mouse jump scare, the one that's alive. I'm, yeah. <laughs> that's still alive. That's the one that you're yeah. afraid of. That's I why. I can't even deal with, like, yeah. I, I just have, a, I've, I've got a problem with death. I don't think I could be the, the arbiter of ending anything's life, mm-hmm. even, even if it meant my own. I, I don't know. I don't know if I have it in me. Maybe, but. What do you think about the, the spectacles thing here? He's like, you're, um, he's like, he wasn't wearing his spectacles. Yeah. Why was that? Didn't he need them? Okay, and so Adeline thinks he's trying to act like he doesn't. He's trying to like be like cooler or like, you know, trying to be like, cause most warriors aren't going out on the chasm hunts with their, or chasm plateau runs with their right. spectacles on. Right. Mm-hmm. It sort of reminds me of a few things here. Well, I, I thought, I thought of a few things. It's um among that sort of, I guess, popular sort of take on, you know, if you're trying to be, if you're trying to be a soldier on the battlefield, you can't wear glasses, right? So if you join the army, I'm not sure if it's like that today. I'm sure that there's several places for people, but there may, I think there used to be something like that where 
it was either, you know, you were refused or you could only do certain duties or, and or maybe I'm getting this entire thing wrong, but I, I think there used to be something to that. So him being the guy with glasses, he's putting, taking them off because he wants to be there, but he's still the guy with glasses. Right. So he really should be excluded. So there's a bit of a, a sort of a dual sort of thing going on there in the, um, in, in the suggestion. I like it. I think it's a, like a, a, a cute little character. Yeah. I think it's a cute little thing that, um, that Renarin has tried to do to like be more warrior. Like the other thing I was wondering is, well, is Renarin on his own, having his own journey with Stormlight? Is he absorbing? Is like, is he healing his eyes somehow? Oh geez. Uh, so I hmm. don't know. I don't even know if Stormlight could do such a thing. Um, you know what? I was kind of been, uh, with that thought. I think when I had that thought while reading this, it was probably because in a in a TV series I'm watching right now, they it was it's a horror series and um, they are absorbing a substance and it's making them younger and taking away their ailments. And in this horror series, there's a character that has glasses and then all of a sudden she doesn't anymore. Oh, okay. And it's kind of subtle, but it happened and it's like, oh, hmm. So then when it came to reading this, I thought, well, is he, you know, uh, but anyways, I, 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 we'll, we'll see in the, in the text on uh, the next time we see him, if he mm-hmm. still has his glasses on, then, then right. there you go. Um, but yeah, so yeah, they're, they're worried about these scratches again. They're, it happened again. Adeline, uh, Adeline says it happened right while I was sleeping just outside the, the other room. Right. So they're like, That's who close. or what had done it? Right. Right. Um, and then Renarin has the very foreboding yeah. answer. We mm-hmm. need to be ready for the coming storm. So little time. Yeah. It's 49 days from this chapter is the yeah. countdown. Countdown. The countdown keeps being brought up because it's giving us an idea of how, how much time is passing as well. Right. So it's the final countdown. Okay, what was your highlight for this chapter? Um, I was going to, if you hadn't stopped me, I was going to go the whole song. Um, oh, dude, okay. I, it has to be. You can go for it, man. It has to be Adeline in battle for me. Just seeing Adeline our boy oh, yeah, fighting, climbing yeah. the wall, using the shard blade as a springboard, like, you know, mm-hmm. using his, uh, his arms and his shoulders just to knock guys down. Oh, yeah. I just, yeah, man, I just, Adeline's awesome. Yeah, he's he's totally amazing. I like uh, I like that, and I also like the I like the the description of the three tiered cake mm-hmm. with the night. So I, I I like the landscape in this. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What do you make of the title, the feather? Hmm. You know what? I didn't think that. Duty is light as a feather. Is that a is that something? What's that from? I think that's from Wheel of Time. Um, is honest. it? Yeah, I think that's from Wheel of Time, to be honest. Yeah, what do you make of that? You know I what? Know. I don't I don't have anything in my notes regarding it. I, I really didn't. Now uh, that we come to it. I don't know. I guess huh. <clears throat> I guess this will be something either that the listeners will tell us or that we just haven't read yet. It's one of those in the top room type of dealies where we haven't put it together with another chapter yet. Yeah. Hmm. That's Could, odd that we don't have it, though. Yeah. It's, it's funny, eh? That's really odd. 
Maybe it's a subtle mention in one of the other uh, paragraphs that we may have just glossed over. Maybe we uh, maybe we'll catch it on the re 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 read when we do the other podcast well, where we're going to reread everything again. <laughs> well, it could be. You, you know what it could be. The feather could just simply be um, what Renarin is in this. Right. You know, he's he's not holding a sword; he's holding a feather. Is it possible? Here's just a theory. Um, is it possible the feather is what Adelin tickles Yakimov with when they go to the wine houses? He's like, "Hey, let's have some wine." Also, it's time to 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 get our tickle on, and he pulls out yeah. the feather. You don't think he that's could be? Or, or the real problem with Danlin is that Adeline is, you know, is a foot tickler and he can't stop he doing can't, it. Just, and the gals are like, just buzz would off. Would you stop I, it with the tickling? I don't want that. I don't like it. Adeline. And he's like, no, it'll just take a few minutes. Just oh, a couple, just on the baby toes, just on the little ones. I just want, I just want to see your, your feet squirm a little bit. And, oh, yeah, but I don't like it. Jeez, I'm out of here. What kind of high prince are you? An He's awesome like, one. I'm the high prince with the feather. Yeah, I'm the feather. All right, so uh, chapter 27, Fabrications to Distract. Oh, mm-hmm. oh boy. So we this, are uh, in a flashback with Shalon again five years ago. Yep. This and... is mm, this is a big reveal, isn't it? Oh, what is? You you tell me what you think the big reveal is. Okay, well, Shalon is outside in the gardens. Yeah. she's She comments that she... Um, there was peace here. That, she loved it there. That, but it was a fake piece. Right. A fabricated one. Yeah. A piece of carefully planted shale bark and cultivated vines. Now, cultivated is definitely the right word here. A fabrication designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amused. To, to amuse and distract. She longed to escape to places where the plants weren't carefully trimmed into shapes. Where the people didn't step lightly as if afraid of causing a rock slide, a place away from the shouting. Mm-hmm. She wants a place that's relaxed. Yeah. And this is the whole thing with horticulture is that the culture part is what humans do to either maximize beauty or maximize yield or, right. you know, to create a certain visual expe- effect. I know exactly what she's talking about. Something more because wild. P- because plants on their own, they don't do what we want them to do. So right. when, when we make a flower arrangement or a, an arrangement for our planters or all the gardens and things around our houses, that's not how mother nature works. Right. It's not even, it's not even remotely a representation really of what mother <clears throat> nature uh, does on her own, but mm-hmm. it is a representation of what cultivation can do. Right. Shalon so, needs more of that wild growth, which is, she wants, you know, getting yeah, away from she, her estate and not, not everything having to be proper and present all the time. Right. You know, she wants to run free and grow wild like the vines. She wants the garden. She, yeah. she wants the concept of returning to, of returning to the garden. Um, so by luck, her father had owned a drawing book. Now this one, we've had this name before. This drawing book, one of the works of Dandos the Oil Sworn. Mm-hmm. Remember that? That was yeah. in uh, Way of Kings. Yeah, exactly. It was one of the ones that she had cited as some of her her schooling that she did, because she had mm-hmm. read read his books and copied and like you know learned to draw and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So she's doing her drawings and she's wondering about all the different Kremlings that she's seeing, and then she uh, a yell sounds from inside the manor house. 
and her, her hand stiffens mm-hmm. or stiffens, and then she makes a, an error on her sketch, but she doesn't get up right away. And then she, she and then she says that she was nearly out of the sheets from the latest stack that her brother had brought her. Her brother, um, this is Halloran. Mm-hmm. He returned unpredictably, but never for long. And when he came, he and his father avoided one another. Nobody in the manor knew where Halloran went yeah. when he left. And she had lost track of time. Mm-hmm. That she happened was, to her sometimes. She was losing track of time. Like th- it wasn't just like over time. Like she's talking about this specific moment. Mm-hmm. She just put right. her pencil down and then she stared off right. into nothingness. So she heard a scream right. and then she, she started heard, yeah. zoning out and like kind of forgetting the r- world around her and then was like, oh, geez, what? Like, And then when she raised her eyes, the sky was darkening. Right. Almost time for father's feast. I know this is a really, she got lost in what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Shalon packed up her things in the satchel and then took off her sun hat and walked to the manor house. Tall and imposing, the building was an exemplar of the Vedan ideal. Yeah. Solitary, cool. strong and towering. And this I thought was interesting because we've talked about these characters as being sticks in the mud, mm-hmm. solitary, strong and towering. And they're claiming here that that's the exemplar of, of the Vedan ideal. Yeah. So that's interesting. They're pretty boring. Some. <laughs> they're like typically boring people. <laughs> well, being solitary, strong and towering, like if you're the stick in the mud character, you, then you're not boring because everyone else is, is someone who's not sticking up. See, I always think of stick in the mud as being like, you're a, you know, you're a downer, you're a Debbie downer, you're a party pooper. You're depends a stick in the mud. Depends on your perspective. Right, depends I guess Depends on so. your perspective. I guess right? so. You can look at it that way. The way I look at it is if you're standing up, that means you're sticking out. Mm-hmm. If you're sticking out, it means you're challenging maybe what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Um, some books called manners like this, the soul of Yaakoved, these isolated uh, estates, each bright Lord ruling independently. Mm-hmm. Sir Shalon heads up the stairs towards her quarters. Father would want her looking nice for the feast and there would be a new dress for her to wear as she sat quietly, not interrupting the discussion. Right. She's been, this sounds terrible. She's been, um, for cultivated her. that'd be awful by her father yeah. to act exactly how right. he, she's she's been pruned right that's funny yeah yeah that's why she, she wants to the wines to grow wild because she wants to be too she's, right she's the flower yeah like you know she's this idealized version of what oh, she what a daughter's be. supposed to be yeah so here's, here's here's a pretty dress, dress. she sits in the corner she doesn't say anything yep only spoken when spoken to or only speaks when spoken to and all that bullshit yeah right? yeah yeah absolutely um perhaps she, Perhaps he did not wish her to be able to speak of things that she'd seen. Right. Shalon? She shook herself to find Van Jushu, her fourth brother, on the steps behind her. How long had she been... How long had she been standing and staring at the wall? The feast would start soon. So she so she's uh, zoning out again, and then her brother yeah. snaps her out. But she's right. zoning out when she's thinking of perhaps he did not wish her to be able to speak of the things she'd seen. Thing that she'd seen, right. And then that's when her mind starts to go blank. Yeah, her mind goes blank. And then she asks, um, Yushu, she asks, what was father yelling about earlier? Were you here? No, Yushu says. And it mentioned earlier that he has a drinking and gambling problem. Mm-hmm. Running his hand through his hair. But I heard Balat has been starting fires again, nearly burned down the storming servants building. 
Wow, what a mess! What a mess of a family, eh? Like, yeah, they are a mess together. of a family. Yeah, father was not going to like Yushu uh, coming to the feast like this, like as a drunk. More yelling, she says. Yushu says, "Storm's cursed idiot." Balad is going straight crazy. I'm the only one left in this family with any sense. You were staring at the wall again, weren't you? She didn't reply. He'll have a new dress for you. And nothing for me but curses. Bastard. He <laughs> loved Helleran. And none of us are him, so we don't matter. Right. Helleran is never here. He betrayed father, almost killed him, and still, he's the only one who matters. They passed father's chambers. The heavy stumpweight door was open a crack mm -hmm. and a maid tidied the room, allowing Shallan to see the far wall and the glowing strongbox. What are you staring at? Yushu demands. The light. What light? Behind the painting. Yeah, she can see Yushu... that she can see this light poking out from behind the painting, right? It says right. Li right through the canvas she saw the outline of the strongbox blazing like a fire. Mm-hmm. He squinted, lurching toward, What in the halls are you talking about, girl? It really did ruin your mind, didn't it? Watching him kill mother. Mm. That's crazy, that reveal. Yushu pulls away from her, cursing softly. I'm the only one in this family who hasn't gone crazy. The only storming one. Shallan stared into that light. There hid a monster. There hid mother's soul. <laughs> so what do you think so... of that? What do you think of this stuff? <laughs> well, um, we had, I think we had already covered that and suspected, or rather, I guess I suppose I, I had suspected that that her father, you know, was abusive, not only to her, but probably had caused some kind of death. Mm -hmm. And here we get it, that he has indeed been responsible for the death of the mother. The children know it. It's not something that I think neither of these two characters here denied. I don't know about Helleran in our previous, in our previous flashback. He did say something. I can't remember. He does say something to him. And then the father's like, how dare you bring that up? Yeah, exactly. So he, the father seemed to be denying it or something like, as if it wasn't the whole truth. Because he says to him, I think, the, the, the dad says, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Here, I'll read it to you. Um, it says, there are more important things in this world, Helleran said, more important than even you and your crimes. And then the father says, right. do not speak to me that way. Father said, I'm your father. And then Helleran says, you are a murderer, he says calmly. Right. And then he says, how dare you? You think I can't have you imprisoned because you're my heir? You think I, and then, and then he says, there's another part where he says, Hmm. Oh yeah, he says, you don't know what you think you know. Your right. mother, and then he got cut off by Helleran. He's like, I will not listen to your lies. So the father is saying that what you think you know about what happened is right. not what happened. Is not what happened. Right. 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 So, oh man. But we also so know that's... that the father's fucking abusive and... We know... Right. Right. But so... Be, but being abusive and dressing his daughter up as a as a flower and asking her controlling not to speak ever, her every move and terrorizing the family with yelling and all the maids are yeah. all afraid of him. Yeah. It, it's awful and it's deplorable and it's not ideal, but it's not murder. Right. 
It's tr- it's so true. It's not murder. You're, you're, it's you're not murder until it's murder. Right. Do you have a highlight for this chapter? Well, I think my highlight is going to be... I think my highlight for this chapter is going to be the... Um, the uh the light that she sees that her brother cannot right that's really cool i eh? think it's i think it's going to be her mother's soul but there hid a monster how could a monster be her mother's soul very very interesting was it the mother that was the real monster we don't know a lot about shallan's mother do we no we don't know we know very little right so all this time, you know, you paint a, you paint a picture mm-hmm. and it's just like the picture that she's staring at on the wall. The picture that we've been painted is that of this abusive father. Right. You're a murderer. You, you yell at us, you ignore us. You only, you only, uh, uh, seem to see Helleran who also hates you. Yeah. So that's the picture we've been painted, but a monster behind it filled with light a mo- and their mother's soul. I don't know. There's more to that story. For sure there is. Um, I ha- what, My what, highlight what? for for this is that it sounds like uh, her brother is going to start a rock band because she calls him Van Jushu, which is fucking cool. <laughs> and I have a feeling I know some of the songs he's going to write. It's going to be like Running with the Voidbringers. Running with the Voidbringers. And, uh, <laughs> Van, Van Jushu? Yeah, Hot for Ardent. Sorry. Hot for ardent, <laughs> hot for teacher instead of Van Halen. Oh my God. Yeah. And then jump. Cause you know, <laughs> shard plate can make you jump far and listeners jump across chasm. So just jump still works. <laughs> instead of Panama, it'll be pattern. It'll be, um, it's so great. Um, all right, chapter 28, chapter, Boots. Yeah. Some boots. boots. Oh, these boots were made more for walking. Do you remember um, oh, how badly Shalon needed footwear at the beginning of her trek across the Frostlands? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm pretty sure yeah. in the, one of the pods, this was like five pods ago or something, I said, this girl needs some boots. This was this my way of some... uh, winking at you the audience. Little, yeah, yeah, I was doing a little winky-do, yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, but, well, I didn't expect uh, this, you to. This chapter is loads of fun. Mm-hmm. I really love it. It's great. Boots. Even this epigraph uh, is really cool. You what's that read it? a character in that? Uh, what's that? Is is Boots a character in uh, Dora the Explorer? Um, it boots. is. Yeah, Boots. boots He's the the, little... the the monkey that wears the boots. Monkey guy. Yeah. Aww. They literally I'm named him after the only. Article, article of clothing that he wears. He just, <laughs> like if you had pants just, on, he might have been pants. Hey, pants. Boots. Hi, well, I'm Shalon, pants. I don't, I don't think Shalon's going to follow suit in that tradition. No. But, uh, but who knows? She's more Dora than she is the monkey wearing the boots. Let's be honest. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The betrayal of Spren has brought us here. They gave their surges to human heirs but not to those who know them most dear before us. Tis no surprise we turned away unto the gods we spent our days, and to become their molding clay, they changed us. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, I like this. They gave their surges to human heirs, mm-hmm. and we've we've talked a little bit about these, you know, uh, surge binders. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which I don't think I know much about it. You, yet, what you do, do know is that surge binders was the term that people used um, before people started calling them knights radiant. Before actual. Um, right. human constructs they, were created and put these people into groups before they were just surge binders. The, they still are surge binders. You can, huh. considering the fact that there are no Knights Radiant Orders currently formed, you could say that Shalon and Kaladin are both surge binding right now. That's what they're doing. They're, they're surge binders. They're using what these about surges. Dalinar with his, with his visions? Uh, hmm. That feels different. There's something going on. But There's something going on for sure. That's not a doubt, yeah. but I, that feels a little different, doesn't it? It feels different. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so I, I like that, that little, uh, I like that, the, the, these, these surges, almost as if they're like gifts to mm-hmm. bestow. Yeah. Gave, gave their surges to human heirs. Yeah. They were, they, the spren, the, the betrayal of spren. Yes. Has brought us here. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's 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 interesting, because we betrayal know of the spren. We know a little bit that the f- spren feel betrayed or felt betrayed, right? Um, uh, uh, pattern talks about that a little bit about um the spren being. Remember, he's like, "You're gonna just you're gonna kill me," to Shalon. Shalon's like, "I'm not gonna mm. hurt you." Yeah. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to do that. And he's like, well, this is what we know from before the Knights Radiant. So did right? the Spren, did the Spren lose power to the Knights Radiant or Surge Binders then? Is that, was that what this stands is kind of suggesting? I think this is saying that it sounds like the listeners expected the Spren to give their surges to them, but gave them to the human heirs. They betrayed the listeners and gave them to humans instead. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The, the other interesting part is that onto the gods we spent our days and became and to become their molding clay, they changed right. us. So they became the, the listeners became something different when they turned away from uh, from the spren and all this stuff, and they went to the gods. The gods beca- like molded them into something different, and then we know that the listeners eventually turn their backs on these gods and left, right? And like right, broke apart right. from them. So it's tricky because we get all this lore, all this history, but in yes, tiny right. little bits. Tiny bits right? to put it together. Well, I, I had a theory. I'll I'll just say this to you because mm. I, I tried it out. You know you know how some of the text in the book is in a, like um, italics? Mm-hmm. It's kind of slanted. I was wondering if each and every time Sanderson did that, if it was like spelling out something else. Hmm. So if you went back and like, you know, found it and then read it, but I, I tried it and in a certain, in a few pages and it didn't work. So. It didn't really matter. You were thinking it that maybe there might be like a secret sentence in the, the chapter, but if you put together well, all just, the. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, like a secret sort of message or something like that. But uh, see, I think that I wouldn't put it past him. Right. If you just look actually a little further down here, uh, just to like in the third little part of this chapter, it's a set. Tin says, you call that Bav, a Bav accent. Yeah. So that isn't like a secret word. It's just, she's right. Her, her comment is being like, um, uh, emphasized, emphasized. Yeah. That's the word emphasized on that word on that 
word. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> See what I did okay. there? So maybe, maybe, maybe other lines then that aren't. Uh, it it's always in the subconscious. Like there'll be like the, a few sentences that are italicized, but it's normally a subconscious thought or something like that. The mm-hmm. inner voice. Um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe I should revisit that because I, I tried it with all of them and it didn't didn't produce anything. And I went, okay, whatever. So yeah. I, I just abandoned it. But. Yeah, it's a it's a anyway. it's a neat little thing. I'm I'm sure. I bet you someone online's done it. And you know, I'm sure there's a Reddit about it somewhere. <laughs> there's a Reddit about everything. I am going to do the worst impression of Shalon's accents here. She's like, yeah. The information will cost you twelve brooms. Shalon says Ruby you see I'll check each one Tin was laughing mm-hmm. She sat in the driver's seat of the wagon Where Bluth used to sit And Tin says to Shalon You call that a bad accent? I've only heard them three or four times right. You sounded like you have rocks in your mouth right. That's how they sound Nah it's more like they have pebbles in their mouths But they talk really slow With overemphasized sounds Like this Oi Looked over the paintings that you gave me, and they're right nice. Right nice indeed. Ain't never had a cloth for my backside that was so pleasant. Yo, you sound a little bit like Bert from Mary Poppins. <laughs> chim, chim, chiminy, chim, chiminy, chim, chim, chiru. Oh, that's like Dick Van Dyke? Yeah. Yeah, I like this a lot. Hello, I really... Mary Poppins. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello. I really love this part where she's like yeah. teaching her voices and trying to get her yeah. to like work Shalon's on it. Like you're you're exaggerating that. And yeah. Tin's like a tad. <laughs> I don't see why knowing a bav accent would be useful. Shalon says they're not a very important people. Ah, kid, that's why they're so important. Why? What do you think of this? What do you think of this whole Dude, I, unimportant I this whole... people important for this kind of game? That they play. It's they're, really cool, right? I love it. They're important because they're unimportant. Right. All right. I know I'm bad at, at logic sometimes, but something about that statement seems off. Tin smiles. Yeah. She was so relaxed, so free, not at all what Shalon had expected after their first encounter. But then the woman had been a, playing a part, the leader of the guard. This woman Shalon was talking to now, this seemed real. Yeah. So it's cool that she's learning from someone who's already doing it. Right, right. So she's got a true mentor. Again, she's got a different kind of mentor, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, Look, Tin says, if you're going to fool people, you'll need to learn how to act beneath them as well as above them. You're getting the whole important light eyes thing down. I assume you've had good examples. You could say that thinking about Jasna. Which is exactly what we're saying. It's nice. There's a, yeah. a little parallel here, you know. Thing is, in a lot of situations, being an important light eyes is useless. Being unimportant is important. Being important is useless. Got it? That's that's Shalon saying that. Uh, she says... She's I like, thought that was... So the thing is, in a lot of situations, being an important light eyes is useless. Then a different thing is as being unimportant is important. Being important is useless. Got it. <laughs> That's yeah. Shalon oh, yeah. like kind of mocking her, right? <laughs> like, yeah, mocking her. Right, yeah, got yeah. it. Just repeating. Yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah. That's... Yeah, that's cool. And you then know, the kid, you get, <laughs> yeah, get exactly. kind of mouthy when you, when you let your mask down. <lashalon <laughs> blushes. I like it. I prefer people who can laugh at life. I think shalon we all says, like it too. 
We all like yeah. it when Shalon gets a little mouthy. Oh yeah, it's 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 great. Reminds me more of her character when we first met her. Right? Yeah, yeah. I can guess that you're trying to teach me, Shalon says. You're saying that a person with a bad accent, someone who looks slowly and simple and simple, can go places a light eyes never could. And then I think Tin responds and can and can hear or do things a light eyes never could. Mm-hmm. Accent is important. Elocute with distinction, and it often won't matter how little money you have. Wipe your nose on your arm and speak like a bav, and sometimes people won't even glance to see if you're wearing a sword. Right. Shalon says, yeah, but my eyes are light blue. I'll never pass for lowly, no matter what my voice sounds like. Tin fishes around in her pocket and produces, what's it now? Uh, it's a, a vial. It's a tincture. It's a little vial. Yeah. Here, she says. Shalon barely catches it. It's a small vial with some dark liquid inside. Tin says, eye drops. They'll darken your eyes for a few hours. Super cool. Super cool. Not hard to find if you have the right connections. Useful stuff. Um, Shalon lowers the vial, suddenly feeling a chill. There's that chill again. Yeah. Um, Is there the reverse? Tin cuts in. Something to turn a dark eyes into a light eyes? Not that I know of. Unless you believe the stories about shard blades. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, Shalon says. You can darken glass by painting it, but I don't think you can lighten it without melting down the whole thing. This is really neat. Huh. This is really, really cool. Uh, Tin is showing us here that she's an expert at this. Accents, disguise. Changing your eyes. Yeah. Like, whoa. All the little really tricks, cool. right? I really love this whole bav thing, right? They say, she says here, anyways, you'll need a good backwater <laughs> accent or two. Herdazian, Bavlander, something like yeah. that. Something that people will just look past and right. not even think about. You could just go kind of where you want, right? right? And this is kind yeah. of in keeping with what we learn about Lopin and his cousin. He's like, people just don't even think about us, man. I go no. on vacation for like six months and come back and no one even knows I was gone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's having an invisibility cloak just by learning how to blend in. Right. Right. With, with people, with people that are often ignored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, and you know what else is cool is that it expands on, it, it, it kind of goes back to where Shalon began. Like we began with her really as an artist mm-hmm. and a thief, and then she became a scholar. Right. And now this is back to being a thief. Right. Oh, this like, is definitely her roots of where we first met her, for sure. Yeah. She's cracking yeah. wise. She's being mouthy. You know, yeah. she's, um, yeah, it's just great. Yeah, she's starting so She's starting a, a new journey as a, a student again, right? Which is really, really cool. Anyway, Tin says, you'll you'll need a good backwater accent or two. Um, Herdazian, Bavlander, something like that. I probably have a rural Vedan accent, Shalon admitted. That won't work out here. Yakovet is a, a cultured country, and your internal accents are too similar to one another for outsiders to recognize. Yeah. Alefi won't hear rural from you like a fellow Vedan would. They'll just hear exotic. Right. I like that a lot. You've been to, me too. You've been to a lot of places, haven't you, Shalon asks. I go wherever the winds take me. It's a good life, so long as you're not attached to stuff stuff but you're but you're a thief right that's all you're that's all you're about it's getting more stuff she says i take what i can get but that just proves how transient stuff is you'll take some things but then you'll lose them just like the job i pulled down south my team never returned from their mission 
I'm half convinced they ran off without seeing me paid. It happens. No need to get worked up. <laughs> very, very like unattached. Yeah. She's like, you she, like, she's literally you, goes with the wind, right? Yeah. Transient. If you, if she acquires something, she seems to let go of it fairly lightly. Yeah. She's not like super attached. No, she's like, um, it's, it, it's the kind of attitude that Shalon needs right now. Right. Because she's like sure. impersonating someone or trying to act like she's more at a station. She needs to be able to let things roll off her shoulders. And this is probably the perfect person to kind of teach her that. Shalon, I think the, I, I like this a lot. What kind of a job was it? Uh, Tim Shalon asks blinking and taking a memory of her. Right. She has to start up her whole sketchbook again, right? Yeah. The one she lost and at I like sea. The, right. I like the way that, that they describe, they, they, they do it here and they, they, they say that the, the long read that Tin is using on the chull on the wagon mm-hmm. says here, sweeping the read as if conducting musicians, not a care in the world. I think a little prior in the text, uh, on the previous page, it described it as she was like using a, a shard blade. Right. It's just two descriptions that I, I really liked a lot. Yeah, it's really cool. Of the, of, of the read. Tin says, it was, it, was a, it was a big job, important for the kinds of people who make things change in the world. I still haven't heard back from the ones who hired us. Maybe my men didn't run off. Maybe they just failed. I don't know, for certain. Uh, Shalon is looking at her and she's thinking, she was worried about what had happened to her employers. Yeah. So I, I wonder if Tin lets, uh, lets go lightly of stuff, but maybe not of people. Maybe. It sounds, seems like she's worried, right? She's like, uh, mm-hmm. uh Shalon caught Tin's att- uh, face, a tightening of the skin yeah. around the eyes, a distant gaze. She was worried about what her employers might do to her. So might like, if she her, truly yeah. does believe that her, uh, her her team took off on her and took the, the the money, or if her team failed, then she might. It sounds like it was her team, so it sounds like she right. might um, sow the, like the re- repercussions of failure with her uh, her you know people above with her. her employer. Yeah. So right. uh, then it was gone. Tin says, "Have a look." And nods up ahead. Shalon followed the gesture and noticed moving figures on the hills. The landscape had slowly changed <laughs> as they approached the plains. The hill, this is the, I, this like, is of it, course, dude. as I'm reading this, I thought, okay, is this it? Is this the moment? This isn't the moment. They're, they're, they're not going to have the moment in this chapter called Boots. And of course, it's exactly what Sanderson Well, they've did. been leading up to it, right? They've been leading up to Shalon totally. getting closer to the Shattered Plains and yeah. Kaladin talking when... about, we're going to go out and scout around, make sure the bandits aren't around. Like, we, we know, right. and the timelines were starting to sync up a little bit, so we knew this was coming. <laughs> but I, I couldn't have guessed in a thousand years that it was going to be a you know, a, a fumbled and, and jumbled uh, <laughs> impression of a Herdesian woman. Oh no, a horn eater. A horse, sorry. Yeah. I, I, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. My, my, that you're right. A, a horn eater woman that Tin was going to throw onto Shalon and Shalon is just fuming the entire oh time, God. like not even wanting to participate. 
Like of all the, the I, epic <laughs> moments our characters have had meeting each other, you know yeah. what I mean? Adeline uh, protecting yeah. a prostitute on the street, Dalinar and uh, right. Adeline, like uh, um, uh, Dalinar raising a sword to them, saying like, "I protect the, I protect, I protected the the Bridgemen." Or even when they actually met on the field when Ka- Kaladin saves them from a shard bear. Like, yeah. you know, this is the most dumb introduction. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so it's funny, so dude. Awkward. Yeah, I it's love so it. So awkward, and of course, I imagine that. It's gonna to have to unravel, yeah. and then and what what does she then do with that when she's speaking with Kaladin later on? Like it, I don't know. I just think it's <laughs> it's really funny. I uh, I'm looking forward to oh, the I aftermath of this. But so the the plains grew steeper. Uh, the air was getting a little warmer. The plants were more prevalent. Mm-hmm. The trees were squat, and they were different from the flowing majesty of the ones that she'd known in Yakuved, but it was nice to see something other than scrub. Mm-hmm. The grass was fuller. It pulled away as the wagons continued. The rock buds here were larger. Shale bark was uh, in plentiful patches. And life spren was bouncing about like tiny green moats. This is a big During... difference in description from when from she, she first started yeah. on the, uh, the Frostlands, when there was only crust spines all over the place. And now there's like actual life teeming everywhere. So, Yep. More caravans are about, and there are these figures up ahead. They're riding on horses. Yeah. And she's she's thinking here, who can afford animals like that? Why didn't they have an escort? There seemed to be only four of them. The caravan rolled to a stop. Macabre yells in order to get to the front of the wagon. Mm-hmm. Come on, Tin says. Shalon scrambles down, putting on her Yasna face. Yeah. With the others, she needed to be a leader. Stiff, stern, but hopefully inspiring. To that end, she was pleased with the blue dress that Macabre had given her. Embroidered with silver, made of the finest silk, it was a wonderful upgrade from her tattered one. She's all dressed up again, right? Yeah. I love exactly, right? It's who she needs to be. She's finally dressed up in a dress that she was using an illusion to fake to people before, right? She was yeah. wearing that tattered dress and she was using yeah. uh, Stormlight to kind of present this beautiful dress to people, especially when she did it to the soldiers, when she convinced Va- uh, Vatha's men to, to, to join her. Uh, but now she's actually that person. So like, right. so it, it, for this, for me, it makes me feel like, you know, she um, got she in a, a cage. The part, and then she is right. the part. Exactly. She got in a cage and called it a carriage. And then uh, Gaz turns it into pretty much a carriage. Right? right, and then she's right. wearing tattered robes and considering herself high lady, pretending that her tattered robes are a beautiful dress, and now she's got the beautiful dress. So she's like putting her wishes out into the world, and they're like coming true well, or like, something. It's, it's like manifesting, and then it becomes yeah. real. Yeah, for sure. Like the the it's yeah, it's that's pre- neat. It's pretty cool. Brightness, Devar, and I will handle this. Tin said to Macab. Brightness, Macab says. But what if they're bandits? There are only four of them, Master Macabre, Shalon says. The day I can't handle four bandits on my own is a day I deserve to be robbed. <laughs> what if they are bandits, Shalon? I love says, that. Once, I love once it they're so out much. Of earshot. I thought you said you could handle four. I just was going along with your attitude. That's dangerous, kid. Look, bandits wouldn't let us see them, and they certainly wouldn't just sit there. Yeah. So it's interesting that she, you know, faked what she could handle threat-wise, and then Tin said... Hang on, that's dangerous, kid. Right. Like that crosses a bit of a line in yeah. terms of the... Don't be stupid. The, uh, yeah. 
Don't right. get too cocky because thing, you might think you can handle something and then you might n- end up realizing you've bit off more than you yeah. can chew. Don't get cocky, kid. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't um, get cocky, kid. Chris blue uniforms, this is when I knew. As soon as they said the blue uniforms, I'm like, okay, that's it. Um, did you know Shalon that it says, was Cal right away or did you were like, it's no, going to be Bridge I know, 4 I at the very least? I didn't know it was Cal, but I, I figured it would be somebody on the outskirts, you know, searching around, yeah. you know. But I, I didn't know it was Cal because I think that in the previous mention with the horses, they said that they wanted the men to get experience right, with them. Right, right. So I really didn't know Cal was going to be in mm-hmm. in, uh, in this group, but luckily he was. Um, I like we'll here what Shalon's like. Shalon we'll wait here. Yeah, we're going to wait here and they're going to come to us. They can come to us. Yeah, I like right. that a lot. That's a baller it. move for sure. It's, it's great. Sounds good to me, Tin says. And two more come up. On foot, uh, men not in uniforms, but workers' clothing. Grooms? Who are you going to be, Tin? Uh, Tin asks. Myself. <laughs> Shalon replies. What's the fun in that? How's your horn eater? Horn eater, I... Too late. This is... Shal- this is horribly <laughs> cruel to her, man. This is so funny. Oh, my God. Shalon found horses intimidating. They weren't docile like Charles. Horses were always stomping about, snorting. I love so much that Sanderson, you know, made the chull the horse and mm-hmm. the horse the alien. Right. I love that so much. It's so simple. Yeah, it's, it so, seems so, weird so to them, right? Stomping around, yeah, snorting is just a, a snorting, really weird thing. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I can't love it anymore. I just, I take a lot of delight in that. Yeah, like, it's awesome. Here, here's the chawl. Move slower, but it's reliable. It doesn't yeah. complain. Yeah. Here's your horse. It's prancing around, making yeah. noise. It's cavorting. Why are you using this animal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, brightness, he says, nodding to her as he saw her eyes. Shockingly, he was dark-eyed. A hard man, this one. Her Highness, Tin announces, Princess Unulukuak Kina Atuatu Atai. You're in the presence of royalty, Dark Eyes. A horn eater, the man says, wearing a Voran dress. Rock would have a fit. There it is. Yeah, there's there the first. Is. Rock yeah. would have a fit. Tin looks to Shalon and raises an eyebrow. I'm going to strangle you, woman. Shalon <laughs> says, This thing. He is not what you have. Uh, he is not what you have a princess wear. He is good for me. You will be respect. I love all this stuff. They're I at, love their attempt at t- speaking yeah. horn eater. It's so funny. And even Shalon admits that it's a terrible horn eater. Yeah, like a really bad, exactly. Really yeah, bad one, yeah. Right. I'm sorry. The man says. What was a dark eyes doing riding an animal of such value? One of the man's companions was inspecting the caravan through a spyglass. Seven wagons, Cal, the man says. They're well guarded. The man, Cal, nodded. I've been sent out to look for signs of bandits, he said to Tin. Has all been well with your caravan? We ran into some bandits three weeks ago, Tin says. Why do you care? We represent the king, the man says, and are from personal guard are from, from the personal guard of Dalinar Colon. Oh, storms. Yeah, well, she doesn't going to be She doesn't think this is a good thing now because she's like, I'm pretending to this guy. I'm right. going to go and like try to like woo the his that that guy's son. Like I'm going to yeah. this is going to be tricky. <laughs> Unless she becomes someone else. Right. 
I, uh, I also want to point out that the guy who's looking through the spyglass was a dark eyed too, but looked more comfortable on his mount. I think this is Moash uh, because he calls Kaladin Cal. Cal, right? right. That's wh- right. how Moash speaks to him, right? Because they're buds, yep. right? You're it's right. not like he's a superior. I think all the other ones would call the, him Kaladin, but Moash always calls right. him Cal. Calls so him Cal. it's got to be Moash, I think. Right. Yeah. Okay, so um, where were we? Brightness Colin. Bright Lord Colin. Bright Lord Colin. Or Cal or Cal continues. Bright Lord Colin is investigating the possibility of a wider range of control around the shattered planes. If you really were attacked, I would like to know how. Uh, I would like to know of of the details. Shalon uh, says, "If if we were attacked, you doubt our word? No, I am offend." Shalon declares. <laughs> You'd better watch yourself, Tin told the men. Her highness does not like to be offended. How surprising, Kel says. Where did the attack take place? You fought it off? How many bandits were there? Tin filled him in, in on the details, which gave Shalon a chance to think. Dalinar Colon was her future father-in-law in the, in the causal matured. If the causal matured into a marriage, hopefully she wouldn't run into these particular soldiers again. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um... I really am going to strangle you, Tin. He didn't seem like a very pleasant man. I'm sorry to hear of your losses, Cal says, but you're only a day and a half by caravan from the Shattered Plains now. You should be safe the rest of the way. I am curiosity, Echelon says. (laughs) These animals, they are horses? Yet you are dark-eyed? This, Colin, trusts you well? I do my duty, Cal says. Where are the rest of your people? That caravan looks as if it's all Vorin. Also, you look a little spindly for a horn eater. Did you just insult the princess's weight, Tin says? Storms. Storm, she was good. She actually managed to produce anger spren with that remark. Dude, Tin is good, that? man. She's, she's she's lying and doing it so well. Yeah. Anger spren came from, from her like, did you just insult her? Right. She's like doing this really like, well. Dude. Yeah, to the point where the Spren are in agreement. Shell says, I am offend. I am offend. offended. I love yeah, that I love so it. much. I am offend. <laughs> I am curiosity. I am offend. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a great t-shirt. Very offend. offend. <laughs> yeah. You have offended Her Highness again. Very offend. Yeah, that's so you funny. You better apologize. No apologize, Shalon declared. A boots. Cal leans back. Boots, he asks. Yes. I am liking your boots. You will apology with boots. You want my boots. Did you not hear, Her Highness? Are soldiers in this Dalinar Colon's army so disrespectful? I'm not disrespectful, but I'm not giving her my boots. You insult, Shalon shouts. I will tell all who are to listen. When arriving, I will say Colon is stealer of boots and taker of women's virtue. Cal sputters, Virtue? Yes, Shalon says. She then glances over to Tin. Virtue? No, wrong word. uh, Virtue? No, it's a vesture. Vesture. Taking of, uh, taker of woman's vesture. That is the word I wanted. That's really funny, dude. Glances at his companions. They look confused. Drat, Shalon thought. Good puns are lost on men with poor vocabulary. This is this is funny because she's, she's threatening. Them. She's threatening to say that he stole, <laughs> that he insulted her, and like took her virtue, 
Like, yeah. that's really bad. That's why he's like, yeah. what? Virtue? Yeah, but she was making a pun yeah. about it, and it, and they seemed more confused, and, she's, and then she's like... It's also very hard idiots. for her to be the quippy Shalon while doing yeah. an accent, you know what I mean? Right. So, oh god, it's so like, awesome. Is no matter. All will know what you have done in wronging me. You have laid me bare here in this wilderness. Stripping me is an insult to my house and my clan. All will know that Colin. Oh, stop, stop, Cal says, awkwardly pulling off his boot and getting his foot on his horseback. His sock had a hole in the heel. Storming yeah. woman, he mutters. Your apology is accepted, Tin says. By damnation, it had better be, Cal says. I'll pass along your story. Maybe we can get this storming place patrolled. Come on, men. He turns and left them without another word, perhaps fearing another horn eater diatribe. Oh my God. Once, once they're out of earshot, Shalon looks at, her, looks at the boots, then starts laughing uncontrollably. Joy Spren rose around her like blue leaves, and they were rare. Very rare, yeah. Aten says, no use denying that was fun. I'm still going to strangle you, Shalon says. He knew we were playing with him. That has to be the worst horn eater impression a woman has ever done. It was actually pretty good, Tin says. You overdid the words, but the accent itself was spot on. That wasn't the point, though. She handed back the boots. What was the point, Shalon says, making a fool out of me? Partially, Tin says. That was sarcasm. If you're going to learn to do this, Tin says, you have to be uh, comfortable in situations like that. You can't be embarrassed when you pose or when you pose as someone else. The more outrageous the attempt, the straighter you have to play it. The Kills. only way to get better is to practice and in front of people who very well might catch you. This kind of reminds me of, um, I'm just thinking, rereading this now. I'm thinking about Ferris Bueller when he's like looking at the camera and he's like, look, you can never go too far. Right. You know, and if I'm going to get caught, it's not going to be by a guy like that. So like, <laughs> right. So, so you double down, triple down on your bluff. Mm-hmm. You just go all the way. Right. And right? and you see that a lot in like uh common <laughs> movies or like they have to like they have to lie upon lie. Have to create a bigger lie on top of the lie. And I, I and some of th- some of my favorite moments in sh- in shows and movies like that is when they get found yeah. out and then they've got yeah. to explain <laughs> that they lied with another lie. Like yes, making it even deeper and deeper. Uh, so what yeah. do you think about all this? What do you think about Shalon stealing Kaladin's boots? hilarious. Like, it's hilarious. Well, you know what's funny is that there's a practical element to this. She actually does need boots. Right. Like, actually. Yeah. Like, really does. And like, and Cal doesn't really know the culture of the Horn Eaters enough to know whether or right. not this is something that they would do, right? Like, yeah. you insulted me, give me your boots. You know what I mean? Give me your like, <laughs> Like maybe this is a very horn eater thing, right? Like I want your boots. Like wow, <laughs> is this what is this what happens at a at a at a uh, um, Stormlight uh, Archives uh, Sanderson convention? Like con con? Like if, oh if, you, my God. Show, if you show up at Please. a con, like do, like do people just show up and say, "Give me your boots"? I would love I that. Offend. If I showed up in cosplay, to, like a Kaladin cosplay, and, and a Shalon, yeah, and a Shalon came up to me and was like, "You insulted," <laughs> I am, I am offended. I, am I offend. would give her my boots. I'd totally do it. I think I would give her my boots too. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. But then you're walking around the con in your sock feet. I, your I do feet. have a, um, I do have a point out here. I want to point out here. Um, Shalon <laughs> is being taught a lesson here by Tin. You got to think quick on your feet, which Shalon already knows how think to do. Quick. You got to yeah. double down on your accent, like you said. You got to double down sometimes double on the down, lie yeah. to just make it like yeah. really like to push it home. Sell it. 
don't she, back down. Yeah. She, Shalon, is the student with a teacher confronting four men during yep. a lesson. Shalon's done this yep. before. She was being taught a lesson right. by Yasna when Yasna killed those four men in an alley. So there's a little bit of a mirroring going on here. She's not killing these men, but she is no. disarming them. She's learning how to do something. Um, and it's just, there's a little bit of a hint of sameness going on here. I, I when I read it the second, this, this most recent time for the pod, I was like, Hey, wait a minute. The last time she was like kind of put on the spot. She was not in danger this time, but she was kind of put on the spot no. all of a sudden and her mentor forced her into a situation that she probably didn't want to be in the, the beginning, but learned an important right. lesson by the end of it. So I just, and, I, I kind of like that. And, and, and outnumbered too. Right. Like you, you're, you've got double numbers. I mean, if you were to incorporate all the other characters right. in the peripheral, right. not so, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I take your point. It's uh, it's interesting that. What I think is so delightful is that she has a new, a new teacher, uh, you know, if you will, mm-hmm. and it's just it's very unlike Yasna. Absolutely, completely different. So I just, I think that's, that's. It's fun. Among, it's among my highlights for the chapter in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, in terms of everything. But I think just, just asking for the boots, it might have to be my highlight. It's just, it's yeah. just perfect. Tin says those boots are going to be too big for you, um, though I did love the look on his face. And then yeah. she's like, I no. really did need some boots. So she's like, yeah, I, I'm yeah. tired of walking around on slippers or my Barefoot. bare feet. Yeah. Yeah. A little padding. They were rather large. Or maybe she says, I hope he'll be all right without them. What if he has to fight bandits on his way back? So Can she feels a little eyes. bit guilty. We're going to have to talk to you about that kind heartedness of yours sometime, kid. Yeah. It's not a bad thing to be nice. You're training to be a con artist right. for now. Let's get back to the caravan. I want to talk uh, you through the finer points of a horn eater accent. With that red hair of yours, you'll probably find more chances to use it than you would than you would others. Right. See how how easy is it going to be for Shalon to use a Herdesian or a Bavlander accent when her hair is just like this bright red? Yeah. Right. Bright horn red. Horn eater yeah. might be the way to go because it's she's already yeah. got the red hair. She's already got the red hair. So what's your uh, what's your highlight for this chapter? I feel like we all I mean, we did I, really I was just read the chapter, the but I know, but it's so good. Yeah, and the dialogue is so good. Like, how can you not read it and enjoy yeah. it? Like, I, I like. I think the boots. I think boots as a title is just so perfect. Yeah. I can't possibly rename this one. Um, and and it's just it sums up the entire chapter for me. I I just think it's uh, I think it's great. I think I think her being put on the spot launching into this accent, you know, stumbling through it and yet coming out the other side mm-hmm. against, against Kaladin. Yeah. Like Kaladin's been duped. <laughs> he totally has been duped. Like that's, that's the reality. Shalon has showed up and the first thing she did was dupe Kaladin. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for future chapters where he has to explain <laughs> that some chick stole his boots or something like, I, yeah. he has to go to the quartermaster and ask for new boots. Well, where are the boots that I gave you? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, or the next time that he's walking around and then he just sees his boots, he's like, hey, wait a second. Those are my boots. Like, Those are mine. <laughs> uh, that's great. My highlight what clearly is Shalon and Kaladin finally meeting. Even if it yeah. was kind of a shit show, it, it, they finally yeah. meet. It's a convergence yeah. again. Our characters are closer together. 
Um, they're getting, they're rubbing shoulders. The, <laughs> they're, they're the sad part work. is, I know I don't want to bring this up because I know how you feel about the whole Yasna thing, but the sad part is that we're that much closer to Navani and the Colons finding out about Yasna's fate, uh, which is kind of looming over, over this a little bit. But um, I yeah. do love that Shalon and Kaladin finally get to meet, you know, they were pretty much the stars Kaladin more so than Shalon in the first book uh, the, of the first book. They were the stars of the first book. So it's just yeah. really great that uh, these yeah. two important characters are finally meeting. It's so awesome. Stars of Boots. Cross. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. So I have a pretty quick info dump today. Um, okay. I uh, wanted to... Do we gonna? Are you going to sing a little jingle? A little... Info dump. We really are going to get sued by... Uh, um, Fabricland, uh, Fabricland, yeah. <laughs> um, you can't sing our jingle to your info dump. Cease and desist. <laughs> Cease and desist. Yes, your your info dumping. <laughs> so yeah, in, um, info dump jingle. The um, I love the hammers and mace. We talked about this earlier in the pod. Yeah, um, hammers and maces bludgeoning. are used to fight men in shard uh, shard plate. This is really great. Yeah. It makes so much yeah. sense. Um, you can like pinpoint yeah. your mace or your your hammer right on the jewels on the on the uh, spheres that are literally powering the suit of armor. You know. Yeah. It's so great. Um, but like I said it's, before, it, it's like uh, um, the plate is re- resistant to slashing and piercing, but uh, bludgeoning works great on it. So it's a, a little D&D thing going on. I just love it. I wonder if that'll end up being the thing that, that defeats a shard, uh, an important shard shard blade um, in this story is that, you know, like like fighting against it with a with a you know, rapier or sword that requires accuracy and training, mm-hmm. like a, a bludgeoning weapon. I mean, yeah, it does require accuracy and training, but maybe not as much accuracy as some other weapons. Right. Like maybe it's, it's that thing that you, that you, it's like that brute force, brute force and ignorance mm-hmm. is, uh, what can maybe defeat, uh, a shard blade. We'll see. Yeah. So far, the uh, spear tip through the eye hole seems to be the way to do it. Kaladin's done it. <laughs> yeah. That yep. seems to be the with preferred method of beating he a shard with bear, a spear. But, yeah. yeah. But then he tried the same maneuver on, um, the on sword Eshenai. master. Oh, on, on Zael. Yeah. On Zael. Right. Yeah. And Zael just uh, took Z- him out. But Zael's not the guy he beat on the on the battlefield in Amran's army. Right. Zale is yeah, like yeah. a true yeah. master, right? Like a true master. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. um, that we talk about a little bit in uh, Shalon's, uh, flashback chapter here about manners and the estate and, um, homes like Shalon's are known as the soul of Yaakoved. Yeah. They are an example yeah. of the Vaden ideal. I really like this, how a structure can really be emblematic of the people itself, you know, solitary, tall, imposing, strong, towering. Yeah. We these, talked about that. Yeah, yeah. These ideas of like, you know, uh, like almost like rural loneliness, you know, each bright Lord rules independently of themselves. Not like in, um, Alethkar where they literally went around and rounded up all the bright Lords and made them into one nation. Things are a little bit more still separate in in, in Yaakoved, in uh, where the Vedans live. So I I like that. She says that um uh she says something like uh, Shalon thinks that scholars are romanticizing rural life, and if they had ever really visited one of these manors, they'd think it was dull. 
I like this because right. it's um, this is like five years ago, and this is the early signs of Shalon already considering the validity of scholarly work. Like these scholars think that you know living out here is so ro- romantic, and they have no clue. And like I like this because she's already second guessing this scholarly work and whether or not these scholars have it right. Because we know that she does that later with Yasna, right? So it's just yeah. a really on a whole really cool chapter. We get Shalon drawing for the first time. This is really the first time in a book you know this is five years ago so this is the first time she's drawn and then she's also considering scholarship it's just really great i love it so much what what shalon is not considering there though with the when people are talking about or you know the the yakoved i guess kingdoms being separate and rural and and kind of distant from each other and the, the they're sort of these isolated um places you know other people looking in on that, that would be what they want. Right. Because, because all they know is something else. Mm -hmm. So she's not accounting for the plurality of truth or for the different perspectives that exist here. So, so if she's saying, you know, if people only knew what it's like, they probably wouldn't like it. Well, yeah, but that's only true for you because you've lived it. It's all, you know, you don't know the other side and you also haven't become bored or used to another side looking in on your way of life. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so she's. For sure. That's okay. She's only seeing her, her own truth, not the, the, the like you said, the plurality of it. But so. The plurality it's, of truth. But I do yeah. like, I, what I, what I like about it is that it's sowing seeds of her interest in scholarly worship, uh, uh, scholarship, but also potentially like picking apart how scholars presently think about things, right? So I, I kind of like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the last thing I have here is Joy Spren, blue leaves that start yeah. at the feet, moving up in a swirl and exploding up at the top like they were hit by wind. Um, Shalon mentions yeah. that these are very, very rare. rare. And yeah. isn't that and really horrible? It. Isn't that really horrible that Joy Spren are rare? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't well, you think that this was something that would happen more often in the world? Well, okay, so the, what's the name of the people on the giant great shell? The Reshi. The, um, the re, the, sorry, what, how, how do you pronounce it? The Reshi. The Reshi? Reshi, yeah. Reshi, yeah. So I would imagine that they might Have experience lots of more. And, and I'm surprised that maybe the, it wasn't described uh, as such yeah. in, in the text. Might have been just, you know, left out or, right. or maybe, or maybe they, maybe they actually don't experience it. Maybe. But. With everything that this world is, is, uh, harsh climate and like, yeah, yeah. like, I mean, this is, this is, yeah, like the, the, the harsh Constant climate. war. The, exactly. Yeah. So I maybe mean, it makes sense. It's a little hard to, little hard to feel joy when you've got so many things hitting so many people mm-hmm. all at once. So yeah, it, it is sad that it, that, that it's so rare, but I was, I was thrilled that she had a little, a little fun with, uh. You know, at Kaladin's expense, yeah. yeah. I um well actually maybe that's something that is interesting that upon her first meeting with Kaladin, she experienced true joy. Oh. Look at that. Regardless regardless of it being a deception, she did kind of have a few thoughts in her first little bit there about him. Mm-hmm. Like well, she was you know, thinking <clears throat> after she took his boots, well, maybe he might need them. You right, know? right. Feeling a little guilty, mm-hmm. wondering why he, why a dark eyes could have such a, right. um, an expensive animal, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
I um I feel Joyce Bren I feel Joyce Bren every time we do this pod. So I mean, it's not very rare over in this household. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so that's the episode, everyone. If you uh, enjoy the show and you want to support us, you can always do so by word of mouth and telling people to listen and get on the Reddits and the other socials and tell all your 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 fellow peeps to come and listen to us. That would be awesome. Uh, the other way you can support the show is going to patreon.com slash heroes of. We've got all kinds of different tiers up there to be able to support the show. You can join in the conversation on Discord. We've got a hot Discord channel right now, a hot server, and people are loving it. Um, we have bonus episodes. Jack and I actually just recorded our Halloween episode. So don't know if this episode is actually going to be released after Halloween or before Halloween, probably after Halloween. So anyways, <laughs> I, I can't remember. I, can't, I always have to remember that I'm talking to the future, right? I'm talking to the future <laughs> listeners, not not listeners now. Um, don't look into the future. Don't, don't. That's not the voice bringers for sure. Um, That's right. But uh, yeah, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash heroes of. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us for any reason, um, you can do so at heroes of a at gmail.com. You can go on Twitter at heroes of one, or you can find us on uh, Reddit at the storm pod. That's uh, our, um, our little Reddit, our little subreddit that we got going on. And uh, you can also always find us at the storm pod on Instagram. That's probably the best place to, to reach out. But uh, yeah, so I'm super glad we got this finished today. Um, what a good episode! What a what a good trio of chapters. I always like it when Three things more. go go well like this. Um, anyways, uh, thanks a lot, everyone, for listening. Um, Till next time. Take care, everybody. The Storm Pod is brought to you by Heroes of. Music and theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by our wonderful Patreon team and the heroes of Akathra.